Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. It always feels like you are deep in the midst of life, and it's just so hard to stop and figure it all out. Is this what I really want? What's working? What isn't working? What is making me so stressed out? And what steps should I take next to reach my money goals? It just feels like a constant hamster wheel a lot of the time. I don't know who can relate, but this is definitely what I've been feeling a lot of. So let's talk about it. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. I think that we don't take enough time to ask ourselves questions, to stop life and take a personal time out. And to really reassess all of the things in life that you're you're trying to move towards. I, I don't know, you know, I was talking in the intro a bit about just life feeling like a hamster wheel. And I feel that a lot of the time. I feel like 
I can't catch my breath. I can't come up for air. I can't even figure out a lot of the time where time is going. (laughs) I'll get through days and I'm thinking, what did I actually do today? And what did I do to care for myself? And what did I do to make myself feel good today? It's it's always work and I'm I'm thinking about what's next and what podcast episodes and who am I going to interview and all the different tasks that I need to get done. And I just feel like time sort of escapes. And then when I really want to set aside some time to think about my money, think about my goals, think about what I want to do and what's getting in the way, (laughs) then something gets in the way of that and I don't end up doing it. Or I just get really lazy and decide that I want to sit on the couch and watch endless reruns of some reality show that (laughs) is probably sucking more out of my brain than it is actually putting in my brain. But hopefully you, you understand. I hope I'm not the only one out there that experiences this. And so I really wanted to do an episode about money questions that I think are important to ask yourself. And I've got five questions we're going to talk about in this episode. And then I've put together a guide of 10 money questions that I think you should ask yourself. So I will give you information about where to go over and download that free guide. I think this is just a great way to, again, put some attention back on yourself and to say to life, okay, time out. I am going to reassess and I'm going to really think about these things because they're important to my relationship with money. They're important to my relationships with my partner and my friends and my family. They're important to my career. They're important to my future. And so I feel like you really, you can be selfish some of the time and you can carve out whether it's a half a day or just a couple of hours to just reassess, give yourself some money self-care, some money love, and think about these things. So the first question that I want to dive into is, how was money talked about or not talked about growing up? This is a really important question. I, I talk a lot on the show about money story. I ask our guests a lot of questions about how they grew up around money and different beliefs that they had. And a lot of times for for most people, you haven't actually thought about it. It's just, I guess, I had an experience when I was a kid and I don't know if it really mattered. But this does really form the basis for your money personality. I've shared this on the show before, but did you know this, that by age seven, your money habits are formed So think about those early memories, if you can, and think about how money was talked about or even not talked about in your household. So these money habits that are formed, they create how you think, act, and feel about money. They create your money beliefs. They are patterns that you have seen played out basically when you were a kid by whoever raised you and they feel very comfortable. They feel very natural. Even if they are uncomfortable things, they feel like second nature to you because this is the time that your subconscious is being formed. And that's really the place where a lot of these habits and personalities and beliefs, they're kind of locked in here and they're really hard to to shake loose until you do this practice of really sitting down and asking yourself these questions. 
This is also the time when your language around money was formed. So there might be some things that you say very often, like, I can't afford that, or we don't have enough money for that, even if you do. And sometimes you might be thinking, why am I saying this? (laughs) I have money, I can actually buy this thing. But it's back to this programming from when you were a kid. You were also picking up verbal and nonverbal cues. The nonverbal ones, those are the ones that are very interesting because silence can actually say a lot. The absence of discussion about money can make you reluctant to talk about money in your adulthood. Maybe you feel like it is so super taboo to talk about money because it wasn't something that was really brought up in your household. Or maybe you feel like you were so underprepared for money as an adult because it just wasn't discussed. I know I feel a little bit of that myself. You know, my dad had been in the financial industry his entire career. So we talked about the stock market. We talked about money conceptually. We talked about money, but we didn't talk about practically. How do you handle money? How do you create a spending plan? How do you pay off debt? How do you build a good credit score? How do you figure all of these things out? We didn't really talk about those. And so when I got in college and I was running my first business when I was in college, I just kind of had to figure this stuff out by myself. And I didn't do a really good job of it. (laughs) I got in credit card debt. I had this thing about status and image and I needed to spend money to impress people. And that comes from what I saw in my childhood. And that's at least how I interpreted it. And so I had all of these bad patterns around money. They weren't great. I was I was spending money. I was frivolous with money. I I don't know. It was just something that I really wish we would have had conversations about as a kid. I wish I would have really had some sort of tools in the toolkit so that I didn't just get into adulthood and mess it all up and then have to figure it out. Maybe that's something that you experienced as well. So a lot of times the silence is more impactful than if your family fought about money or maybe there was just this just incredible flow of money. Maybe you didn't even have to think about money. So it's really interesting to spend some time and just think about how money was talked about or not talked about growing up. So that I want you to be like a detective. I want you to just play around, non-judgmental. Just think about what were some of the things that you remember really early in your life that were impactful? Did your family move a lot? Did you live somewhere that you really liked? Was it a struggle? Was it not? Were there arguments? Were there not? What was uh, the general feeling of money in your household? What did your parents do to earn money? Was that something they really enjoyed or was that something they just did because they really needed to enjoy money? So thinking about all of these things and then the important second step of this question is diagnosing the patterns that you have now. So for instance, I have a really tough time personally spending money. I can do it in my business, but it's really hard for me to spend money without voicing some sort of regret or some sort of shame about spending money. And this could go for anything, shopping, restaurants, vacations, buying books. It's so 
second nature for me to say something. So especially if I'm eating out and especially if I'm going to I don't a nicer restaurant, we'll eat, it'll be fantastic. I'll order things, I'll love the food or not love the food. It doesn't matter. And then when we leave the restaurant, I usually just without even pausing or thinking, I'll say, that was great, but it was really expensive (laughs) or something like that. I have to put this disclaimer around it and I have to put myself in a place where I believe that I'm not worthy of just spending that money and enjoying that meal. And that is something I definitely picked up from my childhood. And it is so hard for me to shake, even with the knowledge and skills that I have, I get tripped up all of the time. It's one of the reasons why I do this work while I have this show, why I talk honestly with you about money and about my own struggles, because this stuff is is really tough. And I find that this stops the flow of money. And I've really reinforced to myself that money is scarce. That is a message that I, I felt from my childhood. I didn't have the vocabulary when I was younger. I didn't understand what scarcity meant practically, but I understood emotionally what that meant. And I understood that my parents had money. I was very fortunate. I never had to really worry about money, but there was this cloud that kind of was over my childhood and it was money is scarce. Don't don't spend money. You can't enjoy things with your money. The only things that you can enjoy with your money is spending them on things like business or investments. Those sorts of things are okay. But anything that is fun and enjoyable is not okay. <laughs> and so what you'll find as you dig into this question is how deeply these things are rooted in you. It's like they become part of your DNA. And so again, I don't want you to have any judgment. I just want you to have an awareness of these things that were talked about or not talked about from your childhood and how are they showing up today? How are they stopping you from being able to live the life you want, stopping you from being able to achieve your goals, whatever it might be? What is getting in the way? That is the the powerful work that kind of comes second. So the next question, money question to ask yourself is, what are your money triggers? Are there people in places that actually trigger you? So I I love this question. It really flows from question number one. But a lot of times we're triggered around money and we don't understand why or we don't understand where does that come from? And a lot of times it's just this societal belief around money. Again, we live in a very scarcity-driven society. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to be enough. You're never going to save enough. You're never going to live in the house you really want to. And we're just we're just sold <laughs> these messages. So just at a human operating level, it, it there's a lot of money triggers that exist. But there really could exist in people or places. So my husband, Jeff, he grew up in a financially unstable house. There were a lot of kids and they had to move a lot. Many, 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 13, 15 different houses when he was a kid. So if I ever say to him, I don't think we can afford that or money is tight this month, it feels very unstable to him. It causes a great deal of anxiety and makes him feel just completely out of control. It puts him right back into childhood version of himself 
right back into that struggle. And so there might be words or saying or phrases that people in your family or your friends use that trigger you. And usually a a trigger has some sort of physical or emotional response. Maybe you feel it in your chest. Maybe your chest tightens. Maybe your heart races. Maybe you feel it in your head. Maybe you get a headache or stomach ache. Maybe you notice that your shoulders get stiff or you feel like you're tensing or you grind your teeth or maybe you bite your fingernails. There is usually some sort of emotional response to these money triggers. So your work is when you notice that something like that is happening around the subject about money, stop. First notice what is the the feeling the sensation that you have in your body, again, without judgment. And then the second thing is, where are you? Who is around you? How is money being talked about? What is it in you that is feeling (laughs) this great sense of, of unease? Another example is I have a friend who they just knew that they were going to have to financially take care of their parents. They've basically been taking care of themselves kind of all along through childhood. And they just knew when they got to adulthood, their parents just weren't equipped to financially care for themselves. And so they went and got a big fancy job and made a lot of money and didn't really like it, but did it because they knew that they needed to just make a lot of money. So every time their parents go out on a vacation or go do something luxurious, my friend, she feels so betrayed. She feels so triggered because her parents are not doing the things, having the relationship with money, uh, interacting with money in a way that she really wants them to. She wants them to just be homebodies, not spend a lot of money and be able to provide for themselves. So she doesn't have to provide so much financially for them, but that's just not how they view money. And they've never actually had a discussion about it. They've never had a just person to person, face to face. Hey, mom, dad, I feel like I'm going to have to care for you financially. That makes me very nervous. I've made choices in my life that I don't really like, but I've I've made them because I feel like I need to take care of you. And so when you spend money in XYZ ways, it makes me feel very triggered. That's a brave conversation to have. That's also a very hard conversation to have. But I really feel like those conversations can open up so much. It's like opening up (laughs) the well of feelings in you and helping you to work through this so that you can come to a place where you're not so triggered. You're not having those emotional, physical responses, and you can really start to heal your own relationship with money. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. 
You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. There are so many great podcasts out there, and I have had the privilege to be on some really amazing ones over the last month, and I really wanted to tell you about them. So I'm going to create a little segment from time to time called Podcast Love. I'm also going to create one called Book Love because there are so many different authors that come on the show and books that I read that I really think you need to read, and podcasts I really think... Uh, they're worth you you checking out, spending some time. And hey, I know your time is so valuable, just like mine. So I promise anything that I'm going to recommend to you, any suggestions are going to be things that I've actually really listened to myself or I have read myself and I have found have really helped me. So if you're looking for some great new podcasts, I'd highly suggest these. So the first one is Bigger Pockets Money. I was recently on an episode talking all about money trauma, and the next question actually on our five money questions to ask yourself list is money trauma. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, but Bigger Pockets Money is a show hosted by Scott Trench and Minnie Jensen. They have been on ETM in the past. We did an episode all about real estate investing. If you know Bigger Pockets, you know primarily they started as a real estate show and company, and they've got a couple of really great podcasts. But I really love their their money show and everything Bigger Pockets. I brought up a lot of these questions and we really dove deep into money trauma. I shared a lot about, about my story and even Mindy got a little choked up in the episode as we were we were moving through things because this is powerful work. This is scary stuff. These are questions and and things that we don't often like to talk about, but I feel it's so therapeutic. It is so great to have some aha moments, to feel like you can take some of the bricks off of you and, you know, step into a lighter version of yourself. So I, I really enjoyed this episode. It was great conversation. It was great to talk to them. I've I've received a lot of comments from listeners back that these were things they hadn't really thought about. So beyond my episode, which I'll link in the show notes, they have so many great episodes around money. So it's a great companion piece to this show as well. The second show is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Paula Poundstone. She's this amazing comedian and um, she's just absolutely hysterical. If you don't know who she is, just Google her, look up some YouTube videos. She's got some just amazing comedic sketches that are so fun. 
But uh, her podcast is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And it's it's a fun show. She does lots of different segments. And of course, her being funny, <laughs> things are funny. So the episode that I did with her is called Money Love. And we talked all about all of this stuff, relationship with money, money trauma, why money is such a charged subject, and so much more. Paula shares a little bit about her own relationship with money and the, and the struggles that she had. So that was a really fun show to do. And they cover so many different topics on their episodes that if you're really looking for a show to make you laugh and to make you think, I think you would love that show. The last podcast on our podcast love section is Money Isn't Scary. And this is hosted by certified financial planner, Megan Dwyer. And this episode is not out yet that I recorded with her. I believe it will be out sometime later this year. So I'll let you know when it does come out. But this is just, I really, really love the show. I had an absolute just blast talking with Megan. She's a she's a gem of a human. And she created this show. She really, really wants to challenge these societal norms around, you know, women and money. She wants to empower women to make money decisions out of a sense of abundance and confidence rather than scarcity and fear. So, you know, our messages are very aligned. And she's got a lot of great guests, a lot of great conversations. And I, I really loved her show because it's very relaxed. It's very much like we're hanging out at a coffee shop and we're just having a conversation about money and her warmth and gosh, just everything that I love about her show really comes out. <laughs> so I hope that you check out Money Isn't Scary and stay tuned for my episode that is coming up. So those are three recommendations for a little podcast to love. I will try to bring you a few more podcasts that I love over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully there is something great in there that you would love to add to your playlist. I will link all of these shows as well as my episodes in the show notes so you can click on over there and take a listen. All right, back to the episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, 
the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Question number three. Have you suffered from money trauma and can you identify it? As I talked about in a bunch of podcast episodes this month where I talked about money trauma, I think almost every human has some sort of money trauma and it's on varying scales. And I think the important thing to think about when we look at money trauma is it's not just what happens to you, but it's what happens inside of you. Trauma can be a very body sensation thing. It's very somatic. What you feel, again, heart racing, you know, your chest tightening, you feel like a hot flash, you got tense shoulders, you might get a headache. There are lots of physical emotions that hap- happen when we're talking about money trauma. And money trauma can come from anywhere. These are just a couple of the most common places. Have you heard of survivor's guilt? So let's say you have a a partner or a family member that passes away and you get life insurance money because you're the beneficiary. A lot of people consider that blood money and don't want to actually spend that money because spending that money feels incongruent. (laughs) You'd rather have the person back. You don't actually want the money, even though the money is meant in a life insurance policy to provide you with some, some ease and some comfort. A lot of times that can create money trauma. Obviously, poverty, if you've experienced any level of poverty, that is a huge traumatic experience. Homelessness, food insecurity. This is one that people don't think about often, but if you've been laid off or have some level of unemployment, that can create a lot of money trauma because it really stirs up this primal need for money and how am I going to pay my bills? We know the stats that most Americans don't have more than $400 saved for an emergency. So if there isn't an emergency fund, if there isn't a place to go, if you have credit card debt, you can really create a traumatic response to being laid off or being unemployed. Uh, I know a lot of people experienced this in COVID when you were laid off or had to really change your work or change your situation. We had a lot of people that worked in the food industry, didn't make us much money, you know, you weren't making tips. There are just a lot of ways this can create some sort of money trauma that is easily triggered. You could also have financial abuse from a partner, racism, sexism is a big one for us women because we are underpaid. A lot of times we are passed up for promotions raises, job opportunities, uh, particularly people of of color. And this can create a very traumatic response. There might be false belief systems around money that exist. For me, the story I shared about not feeling like I could spend money and enjoy money actually has created a traumatic response in me because I, I just, I can't function normally whatever that word means, comfortably, that's a better word, around money. If a lot of things come up out of the blue that I have to spend money on, like the car breaks down, maybe I owe money on taxes, maybe something comes out of left field that I have to pay for, I get really nervous. I get a real 
traumatic response that happens to me and I feel it in my body. I can't think straight. I can't enjoy life the way I really want to. You could have generational money patterns, increasing debt. That is very traumatic because it feels completely out of your control. Financial discrimination, lack of financial resources. Maybe you feel like you're alone trying to figure it all out. You don't have access to financial literacy information or even just feeling unworthy and stuck ruminating about money mistakes that you made. That can create a lot of money trauma. So the question is, how do you recognize that you have money trauma? And I think you look for some common patterns that can help you uncover it that might play a role in your relationship with money. So you might have financial dependency on someone or overspend or underspend, or maybe you're classified as a workaholic, or you practice avoidance, not taking any action towards your money goals. Maybe you have a scarcity mindset and believe there will never be enough. Or maybe you're just not willing to take calculated risk with your money. I think understanding your money trauma can help you heal your relationship with money and really provide a pathway to move closer to your money goals. So there are questions, we can go a question on top of a question here. Why do I overspend? Why do I accumulate debt? Why do I get stuck in repetitive patterns? Why do I avoid dealing with my money? Why am I not charging what I'm worth? Why can't I seem to save money? Why do I get angry when I talk about money with my partner? These are all signals that you might have some sort of money trauma. So again, spend some time journaling, thinking about it. Don't have any judgment attached to it. It's just trying to understand a situation and then trying to understand how it impacts you today. Question number four, what steps or changes am I willing to make to achieve my goals? I know that we'd all love to just set a goal, cross our fingers, and hope that this thing will happen. (laughs) But believe me, I have tried this approach and I can tell you outright, this does not work. (laughs) We have to really make some changes in order to achieve your goals. And so I think it's important to say that sometimes you can set goals and you could say, I am actually not willing to do the things I need to do in order to make that goal happen. That is fantastic because then you know what you do is you actually let yourself off the hook. You can actually take that goal off your list because you're going to continue to feel like a failure because you haven't achieved that goal, but actually you're not willing to do the things that you need to do to make that goal happen. So just remove it from your list. You'll come back to it at another time. There is something that I call the money pie and it works like this. Your thoughts about money influence your feelings about money. Your feelings about money influence your actions around money. Your actions influence your patterns. Your patterns influence your behaviors. So it's it's a it's a pie, right? It's a circular, I like to think of it as a pizza pie. It is a circular pattern that we go through around money. So if you're not taking the actions that you need, you're certainly not able to create the patterns and behaviors that you need to bring that goal to life. So we got to go back and look at our thoughts and feelings around that particular goal. What's going on? What's getting in the way? We've got to really diagnose this. So I like this idea of breaking goals down into small micro goals, things that feel really achievable to you. And then looking at it like, what do I need to do today or this week to move closer to that goal? So if you have a goal about 
paying off all your credit card debt. Maybe that number is big. Let's just pretend it's like $20,000. If I just set that goal, my brain is going to tell me there's no way I can achieve that goal. That number is way too big. But if I take that $20,000 and I break it down and let's say five years, I want to have that paid off and I'm just making these numbers up. Let's say that means $200 every month. I've got to set aside extra to go towards my debt payoff. That is something that my brain says, okay, I can actually do that. Like I can actually make that thing happen. I can make that possible. And then I can create the action steps around that to bring that to life. Maybe I need to change my spending a little bit. Maybe I need to increase my income, whatever it might be. So I want you to take some time and look at your goals and think about what changes do you need to make? And then the second half of it is what is actually getting in the way of you making those changes. And it is perfectly acceptable to say, I am not prepared yet to make the changes I need to make to bring that goal to life. So let me just slide that one off to the side. Like, let me take that off my plate and let me move on to the other goals. The last question I want to ask yourself is, what is your happiness number? And what I mean by that is how much money would be enough for you and why? Of course, we're all going to answer it with, well, I mean, unlimited amounts of money. (laughs) But this isn't actually reality. We need to think about it in the container of what could actually happen. So everyone has a happiness number. You just need to find out what it is. And I think this is a big key to healing your relationship with money and to feeling good at least 75, 80% of the time around money because you know what you're playing for, what you're moving towards. And so somebody next to you is going to have a completely different money happiness number. It doesn't matter. That's not yours. Don't pick theirs up. Focus on yours. I have got a cash tracking spreadsheet, a spending plan template that can help you figure out how much money you need each month, what is left over, and how you can route that towards your goals. I will link that in the show notes. It's a free downloadable for you. It's what I use every single month. So take it, adapt it, make it your own. But it is a great way to start tracking your number to know, okay, this is how much money I need to have every month. Then I can take that number and start to figure out, do I need more than that? If I don't, could that actually be my happiness number? Do, do I feel good, safe, and secure with that number? There are lots of different studies on this, the money happiness number. One study says that happiness is met when you make about $75,000 and that anything over $75,000 doesn't return happiness equivalent to the amount of money over $75,000. I get it, $75,000 could feel like a lot to you. It could also feel like not a lot to you. Another study that was featured in Fortune magazine says that happiness peaks actually when you make $500,000. Okay, that's fantastic. But (laughs) realistically, we're not all going to make $500,000 and we're not all going to make $500,000 every single year. So that one feels completely on the other end of the spectrum. And these articles always make me laugh because we have a tendency to measure ourselves up against these numbers and we have a tendency to latch on to these numbers. These numbers have to be my happiness number. But what I think they're really saying is that 
everyone does have that number. They do have that place where when you reach this number, you feel happy, you feel safe, you feel secure, you feel like you're moving towards your goals. Sure, you would always like more money. More money is always better. We're not ever going to deny that here. But does it actually bring you more happiness? Does it actually make you more fulfilled? Because remember, life is about way more than the money in your bank account. And that can be really hard to see when there isn't a lot of money in your bank account. And I have had so many times in my life where that has been the case. And it's hard to focus on, well, what actually would make me happy because I just really want to pay my bills. So if you're in that place, I I understand that really personally. You've got to find your number because money is personal. So what is the number that will afford your life and allow you to move towards your goals that will give you some sense of feeling okay about money? What is that number? And then what is it about that number that feels really good to you? Is it that it's a little bit extra and so you feel like you have a good pad? Is it just a number that you've always had in your head? What is it about that number? And then what is the difference between where you are today and that number? What is that that difference, that gap? If, if there is a gap, what is that gap? And then what are the thoughts, feelings, actions, patterns, and behaviors that you need to do differently, change, alter, whatever it might be to actually get you to that number? So I hope these questions have at least got you to think a little bit more about money, the role you want it to play in your life, and how you define happiness. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I have got a free 10 money question guide to ask yourself. You can go to bit.ly slash 10, the number 10, money Q. I will also link that in the show notes. You can download that, use this, take it out, print it out, scribble on it, ask your partner, spend some alone time. Just think about these questions. If you want to download my free spending plan, you can go to bit.ly slash ETM spending. Again, I will link that in the show notes, make it super easy for you to hop over there. I will also link all of the podcasts that I talk about in this episode for you to go over, take a listen, and hopefully find a new show that you love as well. A big thanks to the sponsors who make this show possible. If there's a sponsor that really resonates with you, give them some love, head over, check out their links, check out their products. These sponsors are what helps our show continue to grow. So I really appreciate you showing them love as well. I'll be back here in a few days for a brand new episode. (music) 